there was just so much that had to happen. Like, you know, you had to adjust to being in the free world again. Again, You know, I remember going to Kohl's when I got out to buy clothes and just not even knowing what to get, just being stuck because mm. there's so many choices. I get to choose now. I never, I hadn't chosen anything to wear for over eight years, you know. Mm. Um, but then just seeing, you know, the farther you get away from it, you know, the tendency of being scared of going back kind of tends to soften the farther mm. out you get. But that isn't what keeps me. Yeah, I mean, I do not want to go back to prison. That It's sure. still pretty strong in me. It's not as strong as it was, you know, seven years ago. Um, but it's just, it's just not wanting to live that lifestyle anymore. It's just not wanting to uh, do anything that's going to, you know, disappoint God. Um, Welcome to Authentic Conversations. I'm your host, Ryan James Miller, and I believe the way to freedom, fulfillment, and success ultimately comes by living as the most authentic version of yourself. If you're ready to live the life you've dreamed of, you're in the right place. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Authentic Conversations. I am here today with Chris Hennessy. Chris is the founder of HIP, and he says, and we'll talk about this a little bit because I think it's pretty cool what he's doing, but that he's working with Christian coaches, with Christian entrepreneurs, really helping them to showcase their God-given talents, their God-given gifts by being able to broadcast that to the world. So I think that that's just so dope that he's doing that. Uh, and again, we'll talk a little bit about that, but this guy's got a gnarly story. Uh, the little bit of conversation that we've had previous to this just started to open up to just uh, all the ways in which he's gone to battle and wears a lot of the scars from that battle. So I'm really excited to be able to share him with you today. Uh, but for now, Chris, what's up, man? Welcome to Authentic Conversations. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm excited to be here. This is cool. It's good, man. You're like a pro at this, too. So you've done... So, how many live streams have you done, by the way? Do you know? Oh, man. No. Um, <laughs> over 100. Yeah. A so lot. you're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you've got it down. I've got it. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So I, I do... I kind of want to dig into this, but one of the things that's so glaring is the fact that, uh, and you share this publicly, is that you do prison ministry. Mm -hmm. And so I want to understand and I want the audience to understand because I know that you had a path that led you there. Yep. Um, but why why is that so important to you? It's important to me because I did time in prison, too. Um, I did a little over eight years, eight years, three months and three weeks, to be exact. Uh, but who's counting, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was. Uh, I was counting. No um, so kidding. I did a little bit of time. It was, you know, drug-related stuff. I was young and dumb and in my 20s and doing stupid stuff. And when you add drugs to the mix, then it gets really dumb. So I got out in May of 2016, so almost seven years ago now. Okay. And I just discharged my parole last week, week before last on the 23rd. Whoa. So now dude, I am that totally done. Sick. Yeah. Yeah, totally done with it. Yeah. Um, and while I was in prison, God did a, a he did a, just a huge work in my life. I, I grew up in a really strong Christian home. I had a great family life. Um, but, you know, back in the it's funny to see how the church and how Christianity as a whole has kind of progressed over the past 30 years. But, you know, growing up back in the 80s and 90s, it was like a really judgmental, really 
you know, strict, legalistic kind of Christianity. That's what all the churches or the churches I went to, that's that's the way we were teaching it. So it wasn't really a relation relationship-based kind of thing. Mm. Um, kind of got church hurt behind all that. Kind of wrote church off. I didn't write God off, but I wrote church off for a while. While I was in prison, I started going to church again. Um, and God really started doing a work on my life. He really kind of poured into me what it means to have a relationship and to, you know, he really does love us. I actually felt God's love for the first time while I was in prison. It was the most amazing thing I've ever felt. Um, Rock along. I'm in the faith-based storm, and it was so cool, man. Like, the faith-based storm in in prison, it's it's open to members of all faiths. It's primarily a Christian curriculum because that's the most volunteers that we have is for the Christian, you know, the, the other religions don't really have as many volunteers. So anyway, there was like four different sets of volunteers coming in from different parts of Texas, and they were all teaching on your identity in Christ, who God says you are, not who man says you are. You know, the Bible says you're a king, you're a priest, you're forgiven, you're set free from the curse of the law. There's no condemnation uh, for those who are in Christ Jesus. All of this kind of stuff was just being poured into us for like four solid years. And it was really a paradigm shift, you know, because I had some guilt and shame over, you know, being the meth head and the black sheep of the family and all this kind of stuff. Um, but I knew that I wanted to go back in and and minister to those guys because that's where my heart was. That's where my heart is because I've been there and I mm. saw the hurt. I saw the brokenness. I saw the the pain and, you know, the, just the, the hurt of those guys that are in there, they're looking for something and they don't really know what it is. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I got into prison ministry because I lived it. So one of the things that you interestingly said, interestingly said in there, and I think we'll probably dig into this a little bit farther, but you talked about the fact that um, growing up, and understandably so, I, I, I could see how it was back then, though I wasn't a Christian. It's still to this it, to this way, or is this way to some degree now, but mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of hurt that exists in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no perfect place to be. Uh, we are often misled nope. to believe that it is, which I guess <laughs> right. that's probably why it causes so much more hurt. But yeah. so you experience this hurt. Then you go into prison years later, and you come to either finally a real faith or you reinvigorate this faith. And so mm-hmm. what was it about that experience that allowed you to, I don't want to say overlook, but to to reduce the emphasis on hurt in the church, which caused you to walk away from the church and now want mm-hmm. to be so much more invested back into it? I think it was just the the realization of God's love for me. Um, and kind of the quick story behind that was I'm sitting in church. One of the volunteers had brought in an iPod. This was like back in 2009. Uh, brought in an iPod and plugged it into the TV and played a video of Jesus Culture singing How He Loves. And it was during that song that I actually felt like it just washed over me and I was sitting there just crying. Um, but it was that combined with realizing that you know, people are flawed. Pastors are flawed. Leadership's flawed. The people in the church are flawed. Um, it doesn't matter. We're humans. So being a Christian doesn't erase those flaws. They're still going to come out. 
Um, and I think it was just maturity too, like even growing up and being a kid versus being an adult um, and letting God kind of work through all the, the crap that was going on in my head um, made me realize, okay, there's not ever going to be a perfect church. Crap mm-hmm. is going to happen. Um, but thank God for his grace and his mercy. It's kind of, it's just, and I hope it, that answered it the way you were asking it. No, absolutely. I mean, I think it's just, it's so ironic when you really think about the fact that like, yeah. when, uh, and, and again, like I, I'm imposing some opinion and idea and thought and assumption to your situation, but it's like, mm-hmm. here you are out in the world free, though you are imprisoned to uh, drugs and addiction and so many things, but you're, you're, you're free by, in the sense that you weren't in jail. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, people hurt you, you see things happen. And so that offense causes you to walk away from the church. You mm-hmm. end up in at least in 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 the United States from a practical perspective the most imprisoned place you can possibly be which is prison <laughs> right, right and right. that's where you discover freedom in Christ and you realize that all of this hurt that was being done to you by other people uh, not just the hurt you were doing to yourself but all this hurt that was being done to right. by, by other people was just a result of flawed people, and it really had nothing to do with the fault of God at all. It's just, I mean, it's right. so ironic to think about yeah. that. Yeah, it is. And, you know, you. this is one of the things that was really kind of poured into me in there is, you know, freedom, most people think of freedom as, as the absence of something. So the absence of addiction, the absence of depression, the absence of walls and offense with razor wire. But the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Mm. So the freedom is not defined as the absence of something, but as the presence of someone in your life. And once mm. I got that, that was really the paradigm shift. I was like, holy crap. That makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. But you're right. It's ironic to be locked up and be not free. Um but, man, God does a work on you when you're in prison, man. You're at rock bottom. You have nowhere else to go. And I think that's part of why um, I was able to come to all that conclusion is because I was broke down to nothing, and God was able to build me up basically from scratch. Hmm. Man, that's just that's so good. It's interesting there. Uh, I, I don't do this very often, but um, I'm like popping up something on my computer. So there's this amazing hymn that Martin Luther had wrote years ago called The Depths of Woe. And in it, he talks about the, he says like, from the depths of woe, I raise to thee the voice of lamentation. Lord, turn a gracious ear to me and hear my supplication. If thou iniquities dost mark our secret sins and misdeeds dark, oh, who shall stand before thee? And mm-hmm. it's just so fascinating, again, because, I mean, f- for so many of us, I think, like, true salvation, truly understanding God, seeing him for who he really is, requires us to be absolutely wrecked and destroyed because Mm -hmm. when we have any bit of self-sufficiency left in us, we always believe that, that we can do it ourselves. I was listening uh, to um, one of your live streams that you have uh, uh, pinged onto or stuck onto LinkedIn. And uh, you were talking about the season of life where you were, 
um, uh, on drugs. You were already on probation and mm-hmm. you eventually getting busted again. Right. And then, you know, mm-hmm. it, it yep. leads to this place of prison. And it's like so many people, so many people, again, would think like that's the worst it could be. You were already <laughs> on probation. You already right. were busted for these things. You've been caught. Right. Like wise right. up, right. get your shit together and, <laughs> right. you know, and, and, and turn away. And, and even then it's like through all your church experience, it's like, okay, yes, you were hurt, but you see this path that you're on and we don't. And God's like, you know, I I don't think God really speaks like this, but to me, this is how I feel. He speaks to me. Sometimes he's like, look, dummy, I am going to continue to make your life worse and worse until you realize how good I really am. It's exactly right. Yeah, you're exactly right. Like you just, you know, it's almost like it's, it's levels of how much he allows to happen to you. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to put this on you or allow this to happen. I don't believe God puts any evil in our lives. I think he allows it. Um, but, okay, I'm going to allow this to happen and let's see what you do. Okay, I'm going to allow this to happen and let's see what you do until finally we, we hit our breaking point. Yep. And so so what what was... What was life like as you were kind of moving farther down? I know you said obviously you ended up in prison, but mm-hmm. a, as you were going through those stages or phases of kind of getting farther and farther into the depths of the darkness, even though you didn't mm-hmm. see it as that at the time, right? what were some of those stages that finally led you to that place where you were just caught and done? Um, I really didn't hit it until I was actually in prison. Mm. Um, so, you know, I got arrested. I'm sitting in jail, you know, sitting in county jail, worried, not knowing how much time I'm going to get, what's going to happen. Is the DA going to just hammer on me or, and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, then I'm thinking, you know, I'm done with drugs. I'm done with all this, but I get to prison. I kind of settle in. I get a little comfortable and it's like, oh, well, I can do drugs on the weekends. You know, I, I've got it now. I've got it under control. So it took time in prison mm-hmm. away from my family. Away, Like it took the actual being locked up. It wasn't all the crap I was that was going on outside. You know, didn't have a job, didn't have a car, didn't stay with my grandparents. All the things that was just my life was a shit show. Mm-hmm. It took me being separated from all that and separated from my family and separated from life and being surrounded by darkness and depression and despair all the time for me to start realizing, oh, oh, I can't go back and just do it on the weekends because, dummy, that's how you started off doing it was on the mm. weekends. It doesn't matter how much you think you have it under control. It's never going to – you'll never be able to go back to doing it on the weekends. So it, it took just being broken down, separated from everything, isolated from my family. I mean, you know, I was still getting letters and visits and phone calls, but you're still isolated from them. Um, yeah. Isolated from everything that I loved for in reaching a, a lonely place for me to be able to cry out to God and, and that shift start to happen. Mm. So you get out uh, yep. and... Everything is perfect, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, everything is not perfect. Uh, uh, I can't no, even it say was that not with perfect. a straight face. <laughs> no, no, no. It was so good you, and I was I was blessed. Uh, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I was going I was just going to say like, you know, again, this the, 
you were in one of the worst case scenarios, but for so many people, they live this life of destruction, you know, in, in great measure and sometimes in, in very minor, but they're destroying their mm-hmm. life. They come to faith in Jesus and they have been misled to believe sometimes because the gospel that is preached to them is just too full of unicorns and rainbows that don't exist. Yes, for um, sure. Or, or it's just their own misunderstanding or naivety. And so they're like, okay, n- now I'm a Christian and I've put my faith in Jesus. And so all, all that past, like it's all going to go away. And, and, and now I get to move forward. But I know that didn't happen for you. No, no, it didn't. Um, you know, my pastor says all the time, you know, I don't have Kool-Aid coming out of my water fountain. Um, and nobody <laughs> like does. That. You know, we, we still live in a broken world, in a sin-filled world, and, and you still have to pay consequences for what you did. Hence mm-hmm. me going to prison and hence me still being on parole up until, you know, a week and a half ago. Um, I got a job when I got out at a, a major auto parts chain. Lasted four weeks um, until HR somehow in the upper echelons of whatever saw my application and was like, oh, no, 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 he's got to go. He should have never been hired to begin with. Um, But my buddy was the DM. He was a district manager, and so he just hired me. And then once the paperwork caught up, so I didn't have a job. Um, I was staying with my granddad, which was fine, but I still didn't have a place to live. Um, I did have a, you know, I didn't have my own place to live. I didn't have a a driver's license at first. I had to go get that. Um, I drove another buddy of mine I was locked up with, gave me a car. It was a 94 Honda Accord that was just a beater, man. Um, but it was it was free. So got fired from my first job. Um, got another job making $11 an hour like it wasn't anything. So there were struggles, like nothing was easy. You know, I had to adjust to, yeah, I'm free, but now all of a sudden I still have all these stipulations. You know, I can't leave the county without permission. Um, I can't drink. I can't uh, I can't do drugs, obviously, which that was a no big deal. And drinking really wasn't that big a deal. But you still have all these things you have to do, you know, office visits and parole officers coming to your house and all this crazy stuff that I had to adjust to. None of it was How- easy. Real quick, how yeah, how frustrated and or angry were you at other people during that time for what was going on to you? Honestly, man, like I don't know how I wasn't. My family was was more frustrated and mad at other people than I was, but hmm. um, I had come to the realization that I messed up. This was a hundred percent on me. Wow. Um, and it, it was only, you know, it was only the grace of God that that happened because I have a tendency to like harp on things and stew on things and mm-hmm. make it worse in my head than what it really is. But I knew I had messed up and I, as bad as it sucked, I knew it was still the consequences of my actions. So I just kind of sucked it up and dealt with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was only by the grace of God. Like it just, his hand was all over it. Because there was a lot to deal with. Uh, but just looking back at, at everything, you know, I see his fingerprints touching everything. And, and how long ago was that now, Chris, that you were out? Uh, um, almost seven years, May of 2016. Okay, so at, at, as that time is passing and the farther you're getting away from that, 
what was your mental and emotional state? I mean, it sounds like obviously God had done and was doing this incredible mm-hmm. work in your life to restore you back to the man that he had created mm-hmm. you to be f- to begin with. Mm-hmm. But h- how how was it dealing with the different seasons? Because I mean, the, again, the farther it gets away, the easier it is to kind of forget uh, mm-hmm. to to move on into new life. Mm-hmm. And so, did you feel like there was these? these seasons or shifts in your life as you were growing farther and farther away from that? From you talking about like from being in prison? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I'm really kind of glad I had all these restrictions because it allowed, it made me take everything really slow. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I, there was just so much that had to happen. Like, you know, you had to adjust to being in the free world again. Again, you know, I remember going to Kohl's when I got out to buy clothes and just not even knowing what to get, just being stuck because mm. there's so many choices. I get to choose now. I had never, I hadn't chosen anything to wear for over eight years, you know. Mm. Um, but then just seeing, you know, the farther you get away from it, you know, the tendency of being scared of going back kind of tends to soften the farther mm. out you get. But that isn't what keeps me. Yeah, I mean, I do not want to go back to prison. That it's sure. still pretty strong in me. It's not as strong as it was, you know, seven years ago. Um, but it's just, it's just not wanting to live that lifestyle anymore. It's just not wanting to uh, do anything that's going to, you know, disappoint God. Um, but just the different seasons, like just the growth. Like you know, you first get out. There's a little bit of you don't know what's going on. You're getting your footing. Um, but then having maintained an upward trajectory, I guess, is kind of, and I'm losing my train of thought here. I did this on a live stream not long ago where I was going somewhere with a story and then totally, <laughs> totally flaked out on it. Um, to me, it's just a testament of what God did in my life in, in, knowing that I'm not going to go back and mm-hmm. just seeing, okay, in this phase of my life, God did this and he allowed this much freedom. You know, and as you progress on parole, there's a little bit more freedom. You know, they'll let you move around and go do some things with with permission and stuff like that. But just seeing it and, you know, okay, I did go out of town. I was able to leave the county and I didn't do anything stupid. You know what I mean? Um, just seeing the growth and just knowing that God was there with me the whole time. Yeah, just, I, I would... I would venture to say that, you know, there there's this tension as Christians between mm-hmm. God's sovereignty and our free will. And people mm-hmm. almost always just assign the, those t- that tension to salvation. Um, mm-hmm. But here we are again in this place where, yes, God has like regenerated your heart his spirit mm-hmm. is living in you, but you still still have to consciously every single for sure. day for step sure. forward, right? I for am sure. not going to. And so part of that definitely is, and understandably, like I'm never going back there. And that's not right. everybody's story. I mean, I have a close friend that he served 15 years, was out for about three and a half, and now found himself back in prison for life because mm. he was such an idiot and, and, and couldn't mm. run from that. 
So, so part of that again is like, I don't want to go back, but I actually don't believe that I don't want to go back is strong enough to prevent most people. It's got to be something that you're running towards. Mm -hmm. And so as you, as you started to, to rebuild your life and shape this idea of moving forward, what then became the vision? Like, what was it that you were pursuing as you had this whole new opportunity to live your life? Man, that's a good question. That's a deep question. Um, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. it. It was, I don't even know how to answer it. It wasn't even, it, you know, I realized, one, I wasn't living for me anymore. I was living for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um and like you said, the 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 resolution to not go back is not ever going to be enough and not strong enough. You know, and like being off parole now, I, I have all these freedoms I didn't have before. And so there's been struggles with temptation, Heck yeah. you know, to go and act stupid or, or start not doing drugs, but just getting into the whole partying lifestyle again and all that, because now all of a sudden I'm free. But it's just knowing that that is not who God created me to be. He created me to be all the things I learned in prison, a king and a priest. Um, and then also, like, I have a testimony now that of God's redemption and grace, and I don't want to do anything to mess that up. Hmm. You know, I don't want to be a statistic again and fall off the wagon or, or you know, get farther away from God. I want to be able to say, yeah. This was my past. This is what God did in my life. This is where I'm going, and here's the story with it. And then there's not any more major setbacks like that. I mean, there's going to be setbacks. We're human, right? We're flawed. We just we established that earlier. But I don't want there to be any more major setbacks. I don't. I want to guard that testimony. And to me, it's kind of a slap in the face too of what God did in my life. If I started easing back and and, and not acting right. That's just a slap in the face to where he brought me from and brought me out of. You know what I mean? That's just like oh. despising him. Yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. So you, you've said specifically and then alluded a lot to this idea of like really pursuing God, of not letting him down, of not disappointing him. Mm-hmm. And so what, what is that practice then for you? Because there, there are so many people that are listening to this and and this whole season I've been talking to people about uh, the wounds they've experienced and how those mm-hmm. things uh, just do so much damage and wreak havoc on our lives. And mm-hmm. so part of that is healing from the past. But again, the mm-hmm. other part of that is, okay, this happened for a reason. Let me figure this out and let me move forward. And mm-hmm. so the biggest part of your reason, which is not everybody's story, though I wish it was, is Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and, and I want to love him as much as I possibly can and never let him down. And so mm-hmm. h- how do you do that? Uh, it- you know, it's a struggle some days. You know, I'm not the best at spending time every day in the Word and in prayer. But that's a part of it. Um, part of it is, you know, being open about my faith and about what God has done for me, whether it's on LinkedIn or whether it's on my live streams or whatever. It holds me accountable because I'm putting it out there. And so since people know about it now and know what God has done, I don't want to 
fall back and, like I said, ruin that testimony. So it's just, it's, it's a conscious effort. Like I, I've been saying all this, like I've just arrived and I've got it figured out. I don't. It's a mm. conscious effort. It's a hundred different decisions a day to do this or not do this or whatever. Um, but it, it, it can be a struggle. And like you said, you know, people think that being a Christian is always, you know, rainbows and unicorns. And it's not always <laughs> like that because I fight stuff constantly, you know, yeah. whether it's losing my temper at work or wanting to go chase girls again or whatever the case is. It's a struggle every day. But, you know, it's just knowing that, that that's not who I am anymore. It's a hundred reminders a day of, you know, the old man is dead. The new me is is the one that's alive. Yeah. Okay. Th- that that there was something in there that I that I was thinking, and then I really keyed in on when you said this. So, um, your your testimony is the fact that you were drug addicted, spent way too long in prison, and God saved you. Mm-hmm. And so your testimony, a big part of your testimony is here's who I was, though I no longer am. Mm-hmm. How though do you, how, how do you deal with that now in the sense that I don't think you, you want people to look at you and be like, oh, that's the guy that just got off of parole seven, right. know, seven days ago, or that's right. the guy that, uh, you know, like there, there's still a, uh, as much as we don't want it to be, and, and we try to not make it, like there's a stigma there that's going to still mm-hmm. hinder some people's perception of you before they get to know you. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you use that as your testimony, but still detach so that's not your identity? I mean, it's easy to say your identity is in right. Christ, but right, right. Like, how do you how do you really do that? I think. Man, you're asking good questions. You're making me you're making me think about stuff. I love it. Um, I think it's it's just staying the course, um, you know. And it's like I said, it's not easy. It's not always easy to do. But my past is my past, and I you know I, I talk about it a lot. You know, I have a I have a live stream called Ending the Stigma, where that's all we talk about. Um, that. It's been on hiatus. I'm bringing it back next month, but it's it's knowing that there's other people out there that have gone through similar stuff and are struggling. So if my story can help them, then I want to share it. But it's it's hard to detach from that. Like, I know my identity is in Christ. I know I'm not that person anymore. But that was such a huge part of my life and yeah. shaped who I am today that I don't know if it's really possible to ever detach from it fully, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't associate myself as being a drug addict anymore, but I know I used to be, and there's no need in denying that. Yeah. Um, and I hope that makes sense, but I, it's no. hard for me to yeah. detach it because it was, it's, it is, I'm on parole. I'm a felon. And like the state of Texas, the, the country is forever going to have that label on me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I don't know that I ever really fully detach from it. Yeah, no. And, and that's fair. And I think that that's a great truthful statement for people to hear. It's like, it, that's not who you are any longer, but it's a part of who you will always be. And I think that that's right. I yeah, that's I love, really yeah, that's important. exactly, exactly. Um, and so you talk about, and again, your live stream is titled this. I've, I've seen this, you know, in different things that you shared, like you talk about this idea of ending the stigma and mm-hmm. so what is that and what does that mean to you? 
So there's such a stigma associated with being a felon, no matter what the charge is, whether it's freaking, you know, you got a third DWI, so you went to prison, now you're a felon, um, to whether you've committed a sex offense or murder. Like, it's, it, you have that label of felon, so it affects how society looks at you, even though one in three Americans have been convicted of a felony. So that's a pretty good chunk. Um, and one of the things I always bring up is, you know, I'm not going to get on my show and just say all felons that get out are going to do great and, you know, nobody's ever going to go back. And you have to want it. You know, and a good portion of us are going to go back. But it's just trying to normalize not the fact that we committed a crime and went to prison, but normalize the fact that some of us do act right when we get out Mm. and just open people's eyes to that. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got a friend. I met him on LinkedIn. He got his Ph.D. when he got out. He's an adjunct professor at a college. He's a reentry specialist at this college because uh, this college goes into the prisons, too. They have, you know, satellite classes. And he got his degree in prison. Then he got out and got his Ph.D. He teaches in prison now college courses. And he still has trouble finding an apartment that will rent to him because he has a felony or he has a felony mm-hmm. on his record. Um, so it's just trying to get people to kind of shift their perspective on it. Yeah. You know, obviously you don't want a sex offender working in a nursery or, you know, in a daycare. You don't want somebody who was convicted of larceny maybe working in accounting or something. You know, you, use discretion. Yeah. But that well, that's the consequences necess- that you talked about, right? Right. Like that's consequences. the consequences. Yeah, yep. exactly. You know, you may not want... You may want your drug dealer, though, in sales and marketing because he knows what he's doing, right? (laughs) There's a great, there's actually a great book on that that I was swiping back through today called Gang Leader for a Day. And it is one of the best books on leadership that I've ever read. And it's about a guy going into the projects in Chicago and becoming a Mm -hmm. gang, you know, like befriending a gang leader. So no, Mm -hmm. like that, that's so true. Um, And and what I really appreciate, Chris, you know, that you said there, or one of the things you said there was like, we're not all always going to be this way. Now, clearly, you know, like I gave you the example of, you know, my one friend, 15 years, gets out three years later, dumb shit ends up, Doing, committing another crime and he's away forever. Mm -hmm. Another one of my close friends who, who they, they were charged with the same crime. Uh, He served a a few extra years uh, the first time around uh, than this guy. He's now been out for five years and he has made an incredible life for himself. Mm -hmm. He has not made a single excuse for why he went in or what happened or how he's had to deal with being out. And he is kicking ass, built a mm-hmm. business for himself, like owns his own home, drives a nice car. And he's done that all because he is committed to mm-hmm. moving forward and not looking backward. Mm-hmm. So right. I do believe that, like, I love when you say ending the stigma again, like there's always going to be doubt in our mind about people, yes. especially with certain offenses that are committed and, you know, exercising wisdom like you've talked about, because again, there's mm-hmm. consequence to what we do. Yes. But I believe that we have done a poor job as a society in in equipping people that 
commit any kind of sin for that matter, never mind going to prison yeah. to rehabilitate right. themselves. It's just like certain right. things, we slap them with a label and they are forever seen that way, which mm-hmm. that's not what God says, right? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, as we know, and and like tying, you know, kind of back to what I shared earlier in that hymn that I love so much, uh, it says, though great our sins and sore our woes, his grace much more aboundeth. And I just, yeah. I love that. It's like you cannot yeah, out-sin the grace of God, you know? Right. Uh, and, and that doesn't mean that we we sin intentionally, but it's like no matter how bad we screwed up, like the cross of Christ paid for that sin so yes. long as we step into yes. that relationship with God. And so I love, yes. love, love the way that you've worked that out for yourself. So as you look forward, dude, I, I think it's so sick that just a week ago you are like absolutely free, free, but yeah, um, free, free. As, as you, yeah, as you look forward, what, what, like, what's a great hope or dream for yourself? Uh, big thing is I want to take the side gig into a full-time thing. So I hope to do that over the next year, year and a half is to grow it into something, um, that's that's full time. I would just absolutely love to be producing live streams and training people on how to live stream as my job. Um, I would also like to see ending the stigma of the show really take off um, and and become something like I, I stream to YouTube too. But I would really love it to be something that just really blows up um, on YouTube. Um, and I'm not currently doing any prison ministry right now for. A few different reasons, most of them political on TDC side, but that's a whole another story. Um, but I would like to get back into prison and do prison ministry again. Like I, I it's been it hadn't been very long that I hadn't been doing it, but I, that's the the goal is to get back into doing it. Find a unit that needs some volunteers. Hmm. All right, we're landing the plane, and I feel like the best okay. way to do that is I want to pray for you right now. Awesome. Yeah, man. All right. If you're driving your car, don't close your eyes because you need to keep driving as you're listening (laughs) to this. But I think this is just a great space to encourage a man that has gone through so much and is making the best of the life that that he has been given. So Mm -hmm. let's pray. Father. Thank you, Jesus. More than anything, we recognize the fact that your grace abounds in the midst of ways in which we have intentionally attempted to just destroy our own lives. Mm-hmm. Other times, God, there have been things that have been done to us that have been so harmful and so hurtful. It feels like there's no way out. And yet your grace abounds. And so, God, I thank you for the testimony of Chris's life. God, the way he has taken just absolute destruction and turned that into just complete beauty. Yes, you, Lord, he, he chose to follow you. And yes, God, you've worked in his life, but it is him that has put forth the effort day in and day out. And so I pray right now, God, for the ministry that he has. Has, not just in prison, though in prison too, but God, to live stream and to build this business, Lord, that you would bless him in ways that he hasn't even thought possible. Absolutely for his benefit, God, for, for financial gain, for opportunity to provide a better life for himself. But God, even more so, which I know it's his heart, you, is so he can continue, Lord, to help lift others up, to build others yes, up, so. to help them end their stigma, God, and to mm. tell their 
their stories of all the ways that you have worked in their life to bring you glory, God, but to bring good to them. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. That was awesome. Dude, thank you so much. This has been so good. Um, I'll make sure we're going to put contact information to you in the show notes. If you're out there and you're listening and this has been your story, something similar to what Chris has has stepped through, I would encourage you to reach out to him. If there's something in his story that maybe you weren't in prison, but you feel imprisoned to something that you're going through right now, please, please, please connect with him. Again, we'll put that information into the show notes. If you have any questions or concerns for me, you know where to find me. Thank you so much for continuing to support the show to listen like it share it subscribe whatever it is that you want to do to make your day because it'll make my day too thanks guys so much talk to you soon thank you for joining me on this episode of authentic conversations if you are ready to live the life you've dreamed of i'm here to help head to ryanjamesmiller.com slash podcast to begin your journey and if this episode impacted you in any way pay it forward by sharing it with someone you know I'm Ryan James Miller, and I'll see you next time on Authentic Conversations.